If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. Anya. How you be, you people of the sea? It's been yonks since we've seen you. And uh, tonight we're on the radio, so if there's anyone you want to say hi to, just uh, say. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring. Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and whether you're tuning in for the first time second time third time lots of times not many times however many times you have tuned in welcome back or welcome if this is your first time we are a podcast that primarily talks about pearl jam and their live catalog everything from any era that you can think of the recent days in 2016 2018 that don't really feel that recent but the really not recent stuff like we're doing today 1998 1994 1993 we're going to be doing a lot of that stuff this month so get ready for that kind of stuff if you love the 90s pearl jam you're really going to love what we're doing in march so be prepared for that. That should be very exciting. But we cover a different live show on every episode, and we just like to get into the details. We like to get into the music, and we like to talk about the history a little bit. And this is going to be a very important one because this is a show that pretty much everybody knows. Melbourne, Australia, March 5th, 1998. That rings a bell to a lot of you. Let's see what this show is about, and we'll kind of talk about it. We'll talk about the best things about it. So... Why don't we introduce ourselves? Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. Hi. What Hi. uh <laughs> it's uh it's been a minute since we've uh done Australia. It's like we're going back around the world again for the second right. time. <laughs> That's right. Oh, this is a great one. This was great to relive. One of the one of the most epic shows of this tour and this year. It's it's fantastic. Looking forward to it. And it's kind of coming at a pretty opportune time because this is kind of the perfect storm of coincidences right here because we weren't planning to for this and we weren't planning to hear from Ed or anybody this past week, but thankfully we did. And it's a really juicy nugget of information. 
Yeah, for the uh, good news for the Australians, maybe about this. Uh, some shows that might be happening later this year. Fingers crossed. Yeah, look, I you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm. Is it truthful? Is it not truthful? I I have no idea. I don't know if, if oh, it's, Ed it's is, hearsay. We we have no official word. We're right. just going off Sometime, what an off comment that was thrown out there. Yeah. yeah, and Ed is Ed is bound to do that sometimes, where he's just kind of like, well, here's a thought that I had, and maybe I didn't bring it up with the rest of the band, but it does make sense. And maybe he he is on the phone with somebody from Australia, an Australian radio station. So of course he's gonna kind of try and promote that and try to build some excitement. They haven't been been there in seven years. It's a long time. He has to address them somehow. And you know what? To be totally honest with you, it makes sense. The way that they would travel for it, they would travel uh, west. They they yeah. wouldn't have to go through the United States. You know, they they go right. just directly there. And what we're talking about is Ed was, I think it was an interview or something where he said the Gigaton tour could possibly starting in Australia because they do have shows now. They've got concerts going on. They've got festivals planned. So it's definite possibility. And I would hope that they would go down and I would think that, you know, when they, the, the two go hand in hand, uh, New Zealand and Australia, because New Zealand has right. been the champion of, you know, getting the vaccine together, getting their herd immunity together and, and figuring this out. I, I would hope that both of those places would be like the first stops for them, if that's the case. And I, th- I think it's I think it's great. I think it's perfect for them. And I know that a lot of people in the U.S. and and maybe even in, in Europe, because it seems like Europe is probably a no go. And who knows what's going to happen with the Ohana Festival and See Here Now. I, I Like you would think that those are kind of it could go either way. Could they be at full capacity? I have no idea. That's something that they're probably considering very heavily right now, you would think. But if if this is the case and they just want to go out and play shows and do it safely, I think they got to find the best place to, to do it. And I can't think of anywhere else that, that would work the same way that Australia and New Zealand would work. Yeah, it'd be really exciting. And shout out to our we, – we mentioned we had a new patron last week, William from Australia. I'm excited for those fans down there and the and those guys to, to think that they've – you know, they put in the work. Like you mentioned, New Zealand did a really good job of containing COVID and Australia as well and that they deserve the reward. Absolutely. They, they, sh- they should be the first one to get the shows. Yeah, and you know what? Hopefully, hopefully it uh, it turns out their way because there have been a lot of legendary moments in Australia that I don't think they go under the radar a little bit. I don't think they get talked about enough. Like when you think this Melbourne show, people talk about it, but they also kind of it, it fits that category of that Berlin show from 1996 where it gets talked about, but it's not like upper echelon like soldier field Atlanta kind of talking about it's, it's there, but it's just a, a, a tear right under, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was a different era. You know, 1998 is different from 1994, but this is a night three. And you think about that, like how many times were they playing three nights? So those are all epic shows, especially when they've gone through the two nights already. And the third, by the third night, it's like, Oh, we'll just, we can play whatever. Let's just let it all hang out. So this, they're really loose. It's a, fantastic show to listen to it was broadcast on the radio broadcast on the internet which might have been a first uh you know 1998 internet being what it was but yeah just and this is a 
an era defining show and the kind of the end of the Jack era as well. Yeah, the end of the Jack era for sure, and that stuff that we'll get into this whole time when we're we're gonna. This is a great Jack show, so we're gonna talk a lot about Jack. But I, you go back to the radio thing for a second. You know, uh, broadcast on Australia's Triple J, and at the time there just weren't a lot of radio shows still being broadcast the same way that Atlanta and Berlin were done. Those were simulcast everywhere. Soldier Field only shot a simulcast in Chicago, I believe. And then I think there were other shows that were probably local to uh, to other places. Uh, Jones Beach is one that I was told that was on K-Rock 92.3 in 2000. But this feels like the last big one of that radio show era. Yeah, definitely. And I, I don't even think this was on the radio in Atlanta. I think by this time they had moved on. I remember Atlanta for sure, Berlin for sure, but I don't I think this was actually only on being. in Australia. Yeah, but I think you you could pick up the feed, and you know there was an internet broadcast, so maybe you know, anyone could could sign on and watch. But I don't I don't remember listening to it on the internet, possibly. But yeah, it's just it's kind of the end of an era, you know. After this, you, you get the official bootlegs in two thousand. Mm-hmm. You get live on two legs in ninety eight. So this was kind of the end of this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you don't really get this much anymore. And, you know, these are special and it kind of it's a trans. You're right. It's a transition into a newer era, the 2000 era, like bootlegs coming out and more things being more interactive and and things like that. So there's there's a lot going on. That's for for sure. But also, you know, there was a uh, promotional CD for this show that was supposed to come out. Uh, and you mentioned it last week, you kind of teed it up at the end of the episode, you teased it. When Single Video Theory came out, people were lining up at the doors thinking that they were going to get a free promotional CD with half this concert on it, but that never happened. Right, yeah, Best Buy, it was a promotional deal, and it was supposed to be, I think, 17 songs from this, most of the main set, a couple of songs from the encore, but yeah, I don't... I don't know if it was they didn't get official permission from the band or from the label or that they pulled it at the last minute because they knew that Live on Two Legs was coming out and they didn't want it to compete with that. But supposedly they they burned all of them. They were, they were going to be hit with a fine if any of them appeared out in the world. But, oh, if you were lucky enough to get one of these, it's, it's almost been a royal level. I looked... Uh, a couple of days ago on Discogs, and there's one CD for sale. It's like over 700 bucks. So if you want one of these, be ready to shell out some cash because it is it is one of the most rare items in uh, in the Pearl Jam catalog. It's so rare that it barely even gets talked about. This is not yeah. something that really gets gets tossed around at all. Maybe maybe because vinyl is is so much more coveted than a CD is right now. But also from what I'm reading 150 to 200 were probably kept. Like that's that's too rare to even have that memory in your mind of like it being a hot commodity. Right. And you can go on the internet and read stories about like, oh, I found one at for $20 at this record store. They didn't know what it was. And like you this is one of those hidden gems where a lot of people wouldn't even know what it was if they saw it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just crazy. If you have that as a as a collector's item, then boy, yeah. uh, either wait for that market to to jump or or get in on that because whew, you can you can get yourself a cool couple couple hundred bucks on that. That's that's pretty good. 
And of um, course, give way being kind of the Australian translation of yield. Mm. And Best Buy, after they destroyed them, people, like you said, people lined up looking for it. And they end up having to give away any free CD to all those people <laughs> who signed up. So a lot of people got, you know, Limp Bizkit or NSYNC CDs, whatever they, you know, whatever they wanted in 1998, whatever was hot back then. So if you if you got one of those free CDs from Best Buy, sorry, sorry you missed out, but hope you enjoyed it. I would have been a jerk and I would have gotten something of, you know, higher monetary value. I would have been like, mm-hmm. hey, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness or like the White Album. Be like, yeah, Get your I'll, money's I'll, worth. I'll, I'll take yeah. that. I'm, I'm sure it had to have been of equal value to single sure. video theory or something sure. like that. But if, if you were there and you want to tell us the story, uh, hit us up on social media or hit us up on uh, on email if uh, you were in line to, to go and grab this stuff. Live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear that story. Be good stuff to tell on the little website that we're building in the future. So uh, before we start, I, I just want to bring this up and let you guys know about something that's going on within our community. And we have some, you guys all know this, we have some great people within our community and everybody has each other's backs. Whenever somebody is down, there are always people to bring them back up. And this is just the perfect example of that and the perfect example of fans just going up and beyond the call of duty to help somebody in need so this group from facebook uh footsteps in the sand has been raising money for their friend and fellow pearl jam fan art weinbrenner and uh currently art has stage four esophageal cancer that's spreading throughout his body from his stomach to his liver and it just from the stories that i've been told on this it just sounds absolutely dreadful and i wouldn't imagine that ever happening to anybody wouldn't want that to happen to anybody and whenever it does happen you just it, it, it crushes you it really does and to know that somebody's going through that situation and you couldn't even imagine what it's like so he, he's he's undergoing the, the chemotherapy right now and uh, the group has raised over twenty thousand dollars to help pay for his medical expenses, and that's just that's remarkable. That you know the the, the fans have come through on this and and have helped in in a moment where you know in our current landscape and current situation in the world, that's that's just incredible that people are are so willing to to pitch in. So uh, right now, if, if you'd like to help, uh, you can still help and donate. Uh, every entry into their fundraiser costs $10, and there are tons of prizes to win, anything from posters to vinyl to gift cards uh, to record stores, gift cards to Pearl Jam's online store, um, probably about 50 to 60 prizes, and like not just, these are legit prizes most of it is is good vinyl it's good merch there's there's shirts and hoodies and posters from all different eras and all different tours there's lots of really really great stuff and it's only ten dollars for an entry to enter you have to pay on paypal to menke mania m-e-n-k-e mania at me.com so if you want, if you want, you can put up to however many uh, entries that that you feel like uh, entering. If you want to enter ten dollars, if you want to enter a hundred dollars, that's all up to your discretion, and you'll get as many uh, as the ten dollar value is worth uh, that you put in. And it just again goes to a great cause. I just want to thank everybody that was involved with this, from Michelle, John, Dale, Alan, and Nick 
putting this all together. They're doing fantastic work to help a fan in need. This, friends, this is what we talk about so much. This is what this community is about. Just giving back and stepping up when when you need to for, for the people that absolutely need it. Definitely. And we're, you know, we're hoping for the best, you know, I'm yeah. sure we'll, we'll keep getting updates on his condition. And yeah, that's, it's absolutely serious and critical. And yeah, the, the more you people can help out the, the better chance. So yeah, do what you can. Absolutely. That's, that's a great thing that they're doing for him. Art, if you're listening, we're pulling for you, buddy. We're, we're hoping for the best for you and Stephanie. And uh, yeah, this is, this is awful, man. But, but this is, this is all, this is all done, you know, this is team. This is a teamwork that does this. And I, I've i never had any personal interaction with art, but this is a community that, you know, when you know one person, it feels like you know everybody. You're you're just interconnected with so many people just from knowing this band and, and knowing what this music does to you and how it makes you feel. So I feel for everybody that's, that's having to to deal with this and having to go on with this. So I, I just all positive spirits, all positive vibes and uh, please do what you can to try to help them. Cause they're, you know, they're just doing such a great job. So, all right. Um, let's, let's get into a little bit of the show here. This is Melbourne, Australia, 1998. Let's get into it. And like most big shows, massive shows that we've seen, how else are you going to start? You're going to start with release. shoots because they're not they're not on the same tier or even close to being on the same tier but uh, the way that parachutes kind of makes you feel it's kind of like you're almost floating on air like this version of release kind of has that floating feel to it until sort of the end where they kind of they jack you know allows for the pace to kind of be built around ed and kind of let his vocals flourish and then at the end he comes in and he starts getting in the right pace, getting on the right hits and everything like that. And there's no outdoing it. We've talked about versions where Dave A could hit really, really hard on release. This is the exact opposite where he's waiting for his moments to come f- come through and flourish with this. Yeah. I mean, Jack, 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 <laughs> Jack, Jack, Jack. I mean, we can, talk about, we can talk about Jack. We can talk about Jack. We can talk about how good Jack is. 
Oh my god, it's yeah, it's night and day from some of those Dave Aid versions. It's it's you, you talk about that feel, and that's all due to Jack's playing and the way that he's kind of guiding the song, and it sounds Oh, it's really, really good. This is a really great version of release. And, you know, we don't have very many versions with Jack, so this is this is great to listen to. Love it. Yeah, this, this show kind of defines at least that section of Jack's time with him. And unfortunately, that was it. Like, after this Australia tour, Jack was Jack was done, and uh, we, we moved on to Matt Cameron. But to get something like this in a spot like this, of course, yeah, it's, it's a perfect moment for it. And we just keep moving on, like... How many times were we gonna talk about Jack today? Too many. <laughs> Not enough. So yeah. we'll uh we'll keep we'll keep rolling with it. The the way they come out of release, Brain of Jay, Animal, and Faithful. And uh out of the three of those songs, which song do you think I'm gonna talk about the most? Everything that I love about Brain of Jay all combined into one. Ed, in 98, I feel like Ed, it's one of Ed's best vocal run years where he still gives you his growl. He still kind of gives you like his frustration and anger level and, and um, his agitation kind of comes out a little bit. But he kind of also holds back in, in ways where he lets the growls kind of speak for themselves when they have to. And even with some songs in, in the show, it feels like for the Yield songs, he's doing a little bit extra just for the Yield stuff. And that's what I noticed with Brandon J. Brandon J, as opposed to a song like Animal, feels like he is giving more attention to that growl and, and that just that rasp that he, he brings and would bring to, to most of these songs, especially in the Vitalogy era. But now he's finding ways where he can implement that, that sound a little bit better and that saves his voice for later in the night. Right, and... And we're talking about Yield, like, the Yield song sounds so fresh on this. I mean, they were getting to the point where they played them, you know, 10, 12, 15 times, some of them. A few less than that we'll talk about, but they're getting to the point where they're hitting their stride with these. It's not like they played them, you know, it's not like the debuts, second, third, where you're still feeling it out. These, they've got these songs down by now. And I, I give, you know, Ed's absolutely a standout on this, but Stone as well, I thought sounded really good, especially in that bridge going to the outro and the solo part just stone holding it down sounded really really good and then mike on animal you know animal's not something you think of when you think of 98 but again mike all over that that solo sounded really really great yeah and and you know what like song appreciation week this week like i think i have to give it to faithful we don't talk okay. about Faithful a whole heck of a lot. I don't know if you had another one in mind, but most of these we've we've talked about at least a couple times in the last few months. Uh, it seems like we almost never get to talk about Faithful. So I'm just going to, especially this being a Yield tour, I'm going to give the nod to, to this song today. And you just, it kind of sort of in the same way of giving a fly. You got two soaring songs that are off the album, pretty close to each other on the album. And you, 
it, they, they, the, the goal live is to sort of take you to that same place that the album song takes you and to bring in that kind of the effects, the delay effects, the reverb a little bit. And it feels like Faithful nowadays doesn't necessarily have that same vibe to it that it doesn't like when it rises it doesn't necessarily give you that intense rise but this I, I really enjoy when they do get to build to it and it does feel like they're building off of something instead of just kind of flat out playing and getting through the chorus this feels like the chorus has a rise to it and you're building to something and you're watching it fall watching it rise again and then the ending comes in and uh perfect perfectly done i thought this was a great performance it does have that moment where the song kind of breaks loose and breaks open and it starts to kind of soar and gets to that part and it's, it's fantastic but i'm gonna hold my appreciation for one a little bit later well we might have some contention here well, is it is it for a song that we've done lately, or because I I'm really. looking, really. I'm looking through this set and I'm, I'm there's nothing we've done most of these. We'll is see. it is it a yield we'll song? I well, I'm not going to spoil it. I've said too much already. Wow. All right. All right. Well, then we'll uh, we'll continue moving on then. Um, two two song appreciation day. I don't know if we've ever done that in history before, <laughs> but geez. Uh, well, we'll each make our case, and the listeners can decide. They can send us an email. People or, have been agreeing you know, with you too our... much lately. That's not fair. <laughs> like I, I am so disappointed. Like I'm, I'm happy for you, and I'm happy for the show that people have been like very pro John lately. But, <laughs> <laughs> but from, I'm like, wait, wait did I say anything good? Yeah. Did I say anything good? But I, I think when <laughs> when people usually say that, it's because I'm usually talking too much anyway, and it's kind of like. Hey, well, John, John said that, and that, that was good. That was good that, that John said that. Everything else is just kind of like par for the course for the show. <laughs> and and if I say yeah, something I that's know. worse, it it's like, oh, you didn't you, that that didn't really work. I I have my moments. I try to make them hit. What can I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Flourish for two seconds or so. All right. Well, if you want a moment, then this is this is a moment because this is one of your favorite songs, if not oh your favorite God. song, and uh, I think this is one of the best performances ever. Yes, it is. Up here in my tree. Matters much to me. Yeah. No more crowbars to my hand. Yeah. I'm got the stories with the leaves against them. Yeah. talk about on songs like Wishlist and um, I Am Mine and other songs where you feel like there's room to expand, I would have loved to see what they could have done on In My Tree to have like a really big drum intro that could have been something 
you know, maybe like a minute or two where they could have jam, like done a really big jam off of it or something like that. Oh yeah, you know, if, if Jack had gotten to play it for five, ten, fifteen years, you know, who knows what they would have sure. would have done with it. You could have worked in some pre tags there, like like they do with Interstellar Overdrive yeah. or stuff like or a, a song coming up in a, a a song coming up that we're gonna talk about, but oh my <laughs> Jack, like give me a break. This is so good. Like he's he nails it 100%. And there's there's a little NXS reference for yes. the uh, for the locals very there, good. which is very cool. And I like the intro too. Like they the guitars hold off as for as like as long as they can. And it's just it's just the drums and that vocal on the intro. And then when Mike comes in a little bit later on that solo, he just soars with it. He's taking it to five or six other levels that he doesn't normally get to on this song. It's this is a near perfect performance of this song. Look, how can you not notice Mike? How can you not notice Jack? The thing I, I really do notice with Mike, and, and In My Tree is such a visual song, like, you, it's one of those songs where you close your eyes and you can really, you know, you can tell, you can kind of make a music video out of this song, and when Mike hits that solo and he, go, and he starts really soaring and gets as high as he can up there, it, it's sort of like, the camera pans up and, and follows the tree up and like the tree's almost like a couple miles high and you're like okay well how big is this landscape because Mike is taking it there he's like really he's filling the atmosphere with this I am yeah. just every time I do hear it I'm, I'm incredibly amazed by it and incredible I, I can't say anything more and, I, and just to touch up on the NXS stuff when when did Michael Hutchins pass Oh, that, that was later. I think that was in the 2000s. No, I think it was in the 90s. No. 97. Yeah, this was a couple months before. November of 97. So that's that's pretty crazy. That they were able yeah. to kind of tour and kind of give homage to him. And uh, you know, in excess is, I, I know that that's not really your your uh, cup of tea right there. But oh, in excess is. I love in excess. Do you really? Absolutely. Fantastic wow. band. Fantastic wow. band. Don't don't change is one of my favorite songs of all time. Damn, I did not expect that to come out of your mouth. Right? Yeah. yeah, Kick is absolutely one of my favorite records of all time. I love it. Yeah. So, uh, all right, I got shit corduroy. I feel like you gotta kind of throw these in this little section here. And is this uh, is this set list built for me specifically? Like, I mean, three of my three of my top five songs back to back to back. They're right here. Yeah, I mean, you you got you got some gems. All all basically say your name on it for sure. One of the things that I thought about this is that that uh, that line, the I don't know who the fuck I'm gonna ever ask line. An empty shell seems so easy to cry. I got questions, but who the fuck am I gonna ask? So I'll just alone wait for the pain that I'm not ugly and you're looking at me. Is this sort of like 98 debut for some of these, I guess, embellishes that Ed does? You know, where he's more comfortable in on stage where he can sing whatever, where he can kind of be a little bit more sarcastic, be a little bit more himself. Because there's another thing that comes in later to a song that, that's later that you kind of, it's almost like there's no other version of it. The 
that that line from I Got Shit, there's no other live version in my eyes. You always sing, don't know who the fuck I'm going to ever ask. You always sing that. There's another version of a song that has the same thing later. Is this the beginning of, of him doing stuff like that? It very well could be. This song had kind of a big renaissance in 1998. They were messing around with it a lot. You had some of those Cinnamon Girl tags, and it got played a lot. And I love this little vocal improving. It, it'd be interesting to do an Evolution episode on it to uh, maybe find out, dig into it a little more. But I wouldn't be surprised, not at all. It's Ed taking something and embellishing it and kind of making it a trademark almost in the same way in Corduroy. We talked to that in, in that uh, that Atlanta episode where it was the first time where he ever did the all um uh, the camp, peace line. Yeah, the can't can't buy what I want. It's it's peace. Like those are things that you don't even think about it when you're there at the show, you just do those things. Yeah, because you heard him so many times on these shows. Right. Yeah. They're still developing back. So it's very interesting. So uh, what's interesting with Corduroy is that in between the songs, we get a little chord progression of a song called Beds Are Burning from Midnight Oil. Two nights later, they do something that you kind of recognize, and it's the first appearance of the Interstellar Overdrive intro. Yeah. So, was this Very them... cool. They were messing around with it a little bit. I was going to say, was this them like, all right, let's 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 figure out, you know, maybe there could be a really cool way to, to, to start Corduroy that's a little bit different, to, you know, sp- spice it up a little bit, and mm-hmm. maybe, who knows, like, maybe they tried Beds of Burning. Maybe it was like, okay, well, that was fun, but let's try shit let's try pink floyd why the hell not and that stuck and you know obviously they're not going to do that every single night because then it becomes a little bit kitschy okay they're doing the pink floyd song again but when it does come up it's only come up probably like 30 or 40 times it feels like it's special so kind of in the same way that you know that line and i got shit is you have these things that you you know from the live shows that are starting to become staples interstellar overdrive in a couple days you know people will start knowing about that and you know some a place like five horizons will write about it be like whoa i want to hear i want to hear that pink floyd intro for sure where do i get my hands on that and then they start doing it in places like the vegas show when it does come in the very few times that does you feel like you are getting something kind of special absolutely and yet it's so cool to hear the progression of these kind of as we go it's it's really cool to hear kind of them work through this stuff as these shows go on and like this leads to this and we tried that but and then we're going to try this and you know connecting these threads through these songs it's really interesting and this is this is part of the the progression of the song and i think this is not the first time we've heard this little beds of burning intro they I think the the show we did for Around the World, there was a little tease of Beds of Burning as well. And this one's just a few seconds, but it it sounds really good. But not to ignore Corduroy at all. Like, again, I'll mention Jack again, just nails it. The ending of Corduroy, he just takes over and it sounds amazing. You know, what can you say about Corduroy? It's one of their greatest songs and this is a great live version. Five Horizons actually says, this is something I totally took for granted because I didn't even realize, but that, that part where in the bridge where they kind of stop before building back up 
before the ending. That apparently wasn't a thing like and this was sort of a newer thing that they were they were sort of coming up with at the time. So yeah. I, I, that's something I didn't know. Very, very interesting on that. So, yeah, great version of Corduroy, great version of I Got Shit. And we get into uh, Wishlist right here. And a lot of a lot of stuff going on with Wishlist. So let's start with some lyric changes. There's a lot of lyric changes here. He's the Pakistani singer that Ed collaborated with to perform Long Road uh, for the Dead Man Walking soundtrack as well as Face of Love. That's all stuff that is I don't know too much about. I, kn- I know about it. I know those versions, but I don't know a lot about like Ed's collaboration with him at the time. And I think by that time he had passed away, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, they did the Dead Man Walking concerts, I think, later in 98 with his son, uh, Rahat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just great. And he, in that kind of singing, the, that kind of Pakistani music was having a little bit of a, like a popularity. Like it was, you know, I think the Beastie Boys were kind of involved with that. And he had he had gotten some shows, Nusrat had, in the, in the States, and he was kind of becoming a little bit popular. And yeah, that that those duets like that. There's that 15 minute version of uh, Long Road where they they go off on it, and, it's, and then Face of Love is great. Like another thing that people never talk about, but yeah, right. That's it's amazing to listen to, and and you hear you know, those those versions where Ed kind of takes off on the the style, and they kind of duet together, and it's just amazing. You know, vocal. You know, Nusrat had an amazing voice and he had an amazing talent. And yeah, it's nice. It's a nice tribute to him, for sure. And uh, of course, they also do in the song kind of uh, at the end, where in '98 they find ways to to finish this off because uh, we talked about this before. Where this is a song on the album where it kind of fades out at the end, and you have to figure out a way to complement that live and uh, to sort of find a way to end that. I wish I was a lucky man Well, I guess that I am I wish that I could share with my friends Oh, how many friends I have It's a tale extension to the song with kind of a very soft touchdown landing and, and versions of wishlist like this we've talked about them before like those are kind of what makes the early days of wishlist were very special and there are versions like this that that we talked about the versions at msg later that year very memorable like whenever they kind of go off and and do something a little bit improv on it those are always the ones that stand out yeah and with with yield as well this is only i think the 10th performance of wishlist mm-hmm. and for them to already be improving and playing around with it they just shows how comfortable they were with the material and a wishlist i mean just a, uh, an opportunity for to show off kind of ed's tender vulnerable side which just makes people you know connect and and draw them in even more and it's he kind of lets his guard down on these these little improvs and these songs and kind of lets you in on what he's thinking about and what he's feeling and it's it's just another thing that just makes you want to keep digging in and keep digging in and keep connecting. Yeah, it's just a really cool moment. For sure, for sure. Ed addresses the crowd for the first time here. Anya, which is Aussie slang for good Anya. 
if you're uh, checking out your Aussie to English dictionary right there. He's how always you, connecting with the locals. Right. How you be people by the sea. It's been yonks, which means ages, since we've seen you. Tonight we're on the radio, so if there's anything you want to say or want to say hi to anybody, just shout. And then Ed, when you read when you read about this, Ed pretends to unzip his pants, and that's where the crowd cheers his name. The thing that I, th- I, I think is funny is that I seem to remember, is this Soldier Field? Is this Atlanta? Is this Berlin? Is this something else that where he was on the radio and he says, Instead of saying anybody you want to say hi to, is uh, he says, is there anybody you want to tell to fuck off? Yep. Which show was that? It's was one of Berlin? those, right? Berlin. Is it Berlin? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I actually think you're right. So it's just funny that, you know, two years later, they, you know, he's like, okay, anybody want to say hi? And, and for that, he's just like, anybody want to tell anybody to fuck off? So maybe this is just a mindset thing that he's in a more positive mindset here. Who the heck knows? So it uh, gets us into two versions here. Even Flow, then Spin the Black Circle. And Even Flow feels like one of the songs. It's not really overdoing that growl, but he's saving it again for a lot of the newer stuff. But he brings it out when it's meant to be brought out. However, it's a smart tactic. But Spin the Black Circle is one of those songs where he can't help himself. I feel like there are three of them. Spin the Black Circle, all Vitalogy songs. Uh, Spin the Black Circle, Last Exit, and Not For You. It feels like he's always full force with those songs. No matter what, he's going to give you his complete growl, his complete screams. And uh, I thought this was a really, really fun version of Spin like very fast. <laughs> times am i gonna say fast i can say it like five more times fast 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 intense intense version it's almost like this deserves an appreciation oh that's where you were okay Hmm. well i'll say i'll say that spin the black circle is definitely one of my favorite moments from the show and more so faithful However, we like it feels like we've covered Spin the Black Circle a little bit more. But, but it feels I like, won't give it feels you... like we never talk about it. And almost we always we always just kinda of skip over it. But yeah, this is I mean back back to Vitalogy, you know, this is this is one of my favorite songs on this record when it first came out, you know. I was kinda of getting into punk rock and the, you know, this song was the fast burner one and it immediately grabbed me. The riff is so good at the beginning, the Ed Scream. I think Five Horizons described this as manic, which is a perfect way to describe it. This is a one of the best versions of Spin the Black Circle I've heard. I love this song, love it when they play it. You know, the, it's almost too bad that it kind of gets kind of tied in with Let the Records Play and it doesn't really get to stand on on its own anymore. And, oh, it's so good. This is this is one that, you know, put it put it, put it in the Hall of Fame as far as uh, performances of Spin the Black Circle. 
Yeah, it's 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 tough because also nowadays this is not going to be one. I don't expect this to whenever the future Gigaton tour is. I don't expect it to, uh, it to be like you know a, a, a continuous a staple. Play. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a staple at all. Right. Maybe once or twice a tour, the same way that they they do blood now because they they were still holding on to it. Like Lightning Bolt tour, they did a little bit more. Again, like you said, it was a really good combination with what the records played, but it just, you know, that, that uh, safe, safe co-version, it just felt yeah. like Eddie was out of gas. You know what would be really interesting? Did. You know, the story behind this song is that Stone had the riff and then Ed played it at the wrong speed on the tape player or something and sped it up. It'd be oh. interesting if they went back and played it at the original speed, turned it in more of kind of a mid-tempo-ish type of thing. That would be really interesting. I think uh, people would, uh, that'd be a unique for them thing for them to do it'd be really cool would you call it reverse spin of the black circle <laughs> just a thought uh, what would you call it slowly rotate the black circle <laughs> for sure uh but yeah like again this version is is something incredible and uh you know they're not going to pull something like this out in this day and age you keep stuff like this and you keep it on a very, very high mantle. Yeah, and, you, uh, you can't sit still listening to this. Even Absolutely not. I was watching this and made me want to get up and run around like circle pit in my in my mm-hmm. room. I'm in here yet. Just that's undeniable, the energy that it has. You know that nowadays when whatever that does come up, Mike is doing his little circles yep. around the stage. So that's right. For sure. Uh, dedicating this next one or dedicated that one since it was a song about a record to everybody at Triple J as well as PBS and call them calls them a fine bunch of wankers and the next one is for anybody who wants it and it's Daughter uh, really love the tone of Mike's guitar on this because usually Daughter sounds really clean but this had a little bit of an edge to it it had kind of it was a little gruff you know absolutely and it's the first time you kind of hear the crowd kind of grab onto something because think about the songs that they played not a lot of like bangers from 10 or bangers from verses you know you got even flow but this is really the first kind of sing-along that the crowd gets and they they do a great job of it but yeah mike sounds great jack again you know that little section leading into the tag he just oh it sounds so good he's he's in such a groove on it you know we we can repeat it a billion times but it's just so fun to listen to now I know you like this band. Uh, I do. This, the tag here is Pebbles by Shudder to Think. Um, and they'll come back later in, in the main set. But uh, talk talk about this a little bit, because I don't really know too much about this song. Yeah, uh, Shudder to Think was uh, an early DC band. Like, not in that um, the kind of mid-'80s Discord records, but they I think they started in 88 or 89. Um kind of like in that jaw box they and they played with fugazi a lot their singer is craig weedron who has a really amazing voice you know you, we think of these amazing voices in, from from the scene but you know sean smith and he, craig weedron's got that same kind of prince influence on him where he can get that he's got that really high falsetto and he's gone on to do music for tv shows and mu- movies He's uh, he's built kind of a cottage industry for himself, and it's great to hear again. Shudder to think they kind of had a moment with uh, in the mid '90s. They had a song called X French T-shirt uh, album called Pony Express record. There's a song called Red House on that record, which is one of my favorite songs. 
Um, but this is, I think Pebbles is from one of their Discord albums, Get Your Goat. Um, and yeah, it's great. This is a this is debut tag. Very cool. Now, now, I went back and I actually listened to that song in the beginning of the song. I don't know if it reminded you of this, but it reminded me of sort of how the ending of Not For You uh, unravels. The way that kind of like the doon, 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 yep. doon. I and I, I it led me to wonder maybe did they ever think about possibly tagging it off and not for you because yeah, they were always trying to do but something. yeah not the ending of not for you has that kind of it's that kind of dc sound like that born out of that hardcore sound and like you know you talk about Jawbox, we just mentioned they they kind of have that sound where it's the clean guitars it's it's not really emo but it's kind of the precursor to emo it's not as whiny as that but it's it's a specific kind of indie rock sound that dc had and oh that was definitely an influence on ed absolutely interesting interesting that you can kind of tie those two things together for sure uh given a fly is next and boy oh boy do I love 1998 versions of Given to Fly. Only the 11th time the song was ever played, and we're still seeing it sort of play out in these early stages of infancy here. Slow build, pounding drums, delay effect on McCready's guitar, everything you love from this song is here. And then it. Out of everything, I think my biggest point is that you know, nowadays you kind of have like a soaring pop, almost pop song, but Ed in that growl and that just scream, that fly, like he's, that's the album version right there. How close, how damn close is that to the album version? I, I'll go one better. I think it's better than the album version. Ooh. He's he's letting loose on something. He's tapping into something here and it's, oh yeah. It's primal and it's it's everything you want out of given to fly. I love the later versions where they sped it up. I know a lot of people don't where they it kind of becomes a little more anthemic, but this is this is the best of both worlds. Absolutely a highlight. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with you that the that this is better than the album version because I, I hold the album version in very high regard. I think it's their I think it's their best produced song in their catalog. I like <laughs> I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Probably not because it's such a great song, but the way that that song makes you feel and the way that it's produced is just magnificently done. Um, I, I can't I can't do that. I can't put it that way. But I think this is the closest thing that you have to that, to sounding like that and to bringing back that vibe. It's 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 right there. The production, you know you're right. It's, it sounds really good. And I, I go back to things like Daughter and Nothing Man where the, the, the tone really stands out. And yeah, Give a Fly, I mean, what can you say? It's one of their best songs. A plus. Fly. Fly. 
segues into the next speech. I know you fuckers on the radio can't see it, but for people in the building, I'm wearing the official shoes of Luke Longley. These shoes apparently Michael Jordan made famous, and we're going to change the lyrics of Hail Hail to here to the Hail Hail to the lucky ones who are tall. And uh, this goes out to, to Luke Longley, who played for the those 90s Chicago Bulls teams, yeah. and he was Seven footer, Australia. I believe. That's right, yeah. I think if you watched the 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 Michael Jordan documentary which many of you did the the last dance you kind of it was, it was kind of funny to see how Luke Longley ended up being in the beginning of a, a threat to Michael Jordan because he was kind of the one you know villain for for Team USA like the one guy that's like oh okay well he might be able to take them down and then he ends up joining the Bulls and he was a favorite of uh of the the Bulls GM at the time but Luke Longley's Australian right Yes, he's yeah. Australian. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, perfect tie-in there, and obviously, mm-hmm. he's the biggest Bulls fan on the planet. And this is right in the middle of the last dance, the the last year of the Bulls, uh, those Bulls teams, the '98 season. So, the next song is "Hail Hail," and he does exactly what he says he's going to do. He sneaks in the uh, all the lyric changes here to "Even Though I'm Small" and "Hail Hail to the Lucky Ones." I refer to those are tall. Like he adds in every single. Uh, version of small and tall that that you can think of, and good version of hell hell. Like I, I you know, I think it's a little kitschy, but uh, to, to throw that stuff in, but it kind of fits what he was going for there. Like I, 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 this version of hell hell, had he not done something like that, I would be like, oh, this is this is really something that 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 fits that stands alone. Because you listen to Jack again, yeah, and I mentioned Jack Iron's name, yeah. and you're like, holy shit, like that beginning part. That that's how you know that that's Jack for moments. Oh, and there's there's a moment in this when the bridge comes in, like that build up to the bridge where the song opens up. Oh, it's fantastic. That that knocked me on my ass listening to this. It, I you know I don't normally ask for if we can make up we can play things, but if we, if we could play that moment where Hail Hail opens up and you just play into that bridge, it's it's wonderful. So speaking of weird noises, guess what it's time for? Well, well, (laughs) I thought we were. And then you get out of the first verse. And it's not there. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. uh, Only the seventh time, I think. 
Oh well, yeah, they, they were still right. They were still trying to figure it out. Yeah, they were still trying to figure it out at the time. But the the second verse, however, it's here, and it's 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 minor though. It, it's just slightly, just no, no, no. Doesn't doesn't he only ever do it on the second verse? Isn't that no, when he, he always yeah, shows up? Well, I think recent versions, I think he always does it on both. Hmm. But maybe back then, maybe he only did yeah. the second verse. Yeah. This is a really, really good version of MFC. You get all three guitars that work really, really well together here. You know, that atmospheric sound. You can hear all three of them doing their own separate thing, kind of coming in together and blending in so nicely together. And then great backup vocals on this. I, I, my initial thought that it's it's Stone doing the backups, but it might be Jeff. I, I, I want to say it's Stone, though. But the backups sound fantastic. Yeah. It, right, it, it could have been both. But I, I was very impressed by this version. Absolutely. Ed says, we haven't played this next one in a while, and he plays a very short snippet of Crazy Mary. Take a bottle, drink it down, pass it Take a bottle, drink it down, pass it around. Bottle, drink it down, take it on, pass it there, pass it there. This is the first hint of Crazy Mary since New Orleans in 1993. And you might not think it right now because Crazy Mary is like, okay, they have boom, and yeah, they can do it every single night, and it's great. And it's it's not uncommon at all. But back then, Crazy Mary was kind of one of these things where it it was part of the lore and, and part of like if fans were coming up with their dream set list, they'd be like, ah, oh, I, I wish that they would go back and do Crazy Mary again. And they didn't touch it again until probably the binaural tour. They brought it back a little bit. And that's even without Boom. So this is kind of... If I'm somebody that's that's tape collecting at the time, I would probably see this and be like, I need to get my hands on this just to hear that part. And no, it's not the whole version. It's just yeah. Ed doing a couple, uh, take a bottle, drink it downs. But uh, it's uh, that's enough to whet your appetite at the time, especially. Oh, yeah. This cannot be understated. And I didn't even you know, realize this at the time, but this is absolutely the reason that Crazy Mary came back. Uh, this is one of the most important moments from the show where he goes in and does this little Crazy Mary tease because this leads to them playing it in 2000, leads to them playing it in 2001, 2003. This is the beginning of this song being what it is. You can all you can trace it all back to right here. Yeah, I, I, you know, you can kind of, again, going back to people wanting it, you know, wanting to go back to that 93 version where they played with Victoria Williams in, in New Orleans. And, you know, this is five years later and you have a couple couple albums that come out and you kind of, you know, sort of like those songs that, that just got 
kind of thrown by the wayside, like Leash and Rats and Glorified G and all those other songs. This kind of is in this mix. And this is really at the time where things are starting to be like, okay, well, we we get that you want to play stuff from Yield and you want to play stuff from 10, but throw in stuff like Crazy Mary, throw in stuff like Breath, give some fan service, and they're starting to realize if fans want to keep coming to our shows, they're going to have to get this fan service and we're going to provide it. And it's great that they do. And obviously this song becomes something so much different uh, in, in the later years, but great to see it pop up. And like you said, very significant, very important, especially for this time period. Yeah. I mean, a, a little 30 second snippet. That's it. The song turns into what the song is now. Right. Like it, you have, you have this to thank for that because yeah, he probably just heard it like they hadn't played it for over four years and just goes off, yeah, I'm just going to play it by myself, play a little bit. And then that's the germ of the idea that says, oh, you know, we can go back to that. And then it come, pops up in 2000, pops up in, you know, and then you get boom in the picture and it's you're off and running. This is, you know, if, again, <laughs> we've talked about evolution episodes a lot. If we have we ever doing it up on uh, do this one. If we ever end up doing one on Crazy Mary, this will be a big part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Uh, and that brings you into kind of a, like a, a cool down section before you finish off your main set with some hits. And uh, that small town and off he goes. I could swear that Ed said this. Did you hear him say, I swear I recognized your breasts? I swear I recognize your breasts. It did sound like it. Okay, thank yeah. you. I am not yeah. crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking back to Charlotte. Yeah, I was wondering if, <laughs> he, was, if he was pointing so out someone in the crowd, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there was, a, there was maybe a female in the audience that was maybe a little uh, overexcited. Right. Well, that could that could go back to the, the Hershey show from 2003, too. Mm-hmm. There was some of that going on there. Uh, I, I, interesting drum progression that was happening in, in Small Town. A lot yeah. more symbols yeah. than you used to. And, and Jack just sounds so effortless on it. He just b- turns it into something anthemic and something really special without even seeming like he's trying. Yeah. That's, that's just his his style. And it was uh, Small Town with Jack. like Just a whole new appreciation for it. it sounds really, really good. What's, v- what's very strange is that we usually have kind of two different ways that we can talk about this song. We can talk about it being a sing-along, and we can talk about it being a campfire song. And it really was neither. I, I didn't get that vibe, mm-hmm. either vibe No, it was something this. else. Yeah. yeah, like... Like a, like a more anthemic, like they turned it into like a Who song or something. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Which is very weird, because he, he kind of can't make that comparison. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's as close as you can get, I suppose. Uh, but, you know, you follow off with a good version of Off He Goes. Once again, you're creating a very, like, very open. You're creating a mood that is a little bit more empty than the rest of the set. It's a good balance to it, too, because you're. it's a very good segue. Uh, I think a lot of the songs that are coming up have a little bit more of an open stance to it that feel a little bit more airy, that, that don't have kind of what the Spin the Black Circle had to it. I think it, they let a lot of these songs breathe, and it, it feels like it started with Off He Goes. Yeah, absolutely. And then again, same same thing as Small Town, where you know it, it can either be really kind of down and folky, or it can be kind of a campfire. Like this one's this one's not really either. Jack just kind of does his own thing with it, and the solo is really good, and it's an underrated song. 
but yeah, like I said, with kind of the open and airy kind of songs and letting songs breathe a little bit, State of Love and Trust, Evolution, Alive, all kind of have elements of that. And especially State of Love and Trust, where you're so used to the pacing of the song, even when we've covered earlier versions, like we covered a 94 version a couple weeks ago that was really fast. You can cover anything past 2003, and those are going to be just, I call them, they're, they're just sprints. They're, they're, you know, you can do jumping jacks for those, and that could be your workout for the day. But this is like, this is singles version paced, you know? This is this is a throwback to very early versions of the song. No, Slow. Yeah. Letting Jack dictate that pace and playing towards that strength. You hear that. He has, like, those, those heavy fills in there. And, like, Matt usually kind of adds them in, but he's adding them in. He's out of, like, this vigorous machine pace. Jack waits for it. He waits for it and then then hits him and then flourishes with him. And you know we're not getting past this without, I know. without me mentioning. I I gave it to you. Yeah, I, it was the, next, it was the hmm. next thing that was in my notes, and I just let you have it. <laughs> Little Fugazi thrown into State of Love and Trust here. Throwback there, and I, I, I got to call out Dave from Live Footsteps here. This is not credited on this show. A little uh, suggestion Fugazi tag. Very cool. I guess we're going to have to make a suggestion. That's okay. right. Right before Evolution starts, Ed says, come on, and let's dance, everybody. And you get that direction. Jack takes with the song. It's, it's letting it breathe. It's letting it breathe a little bit. You get Craig Wedron, who you mentioned before. He comes out and yep. he does the Hallelujah Chorus. We've talked about that before. And, yep. uh, you know, even even in a live, the, the guitars don't overpower on it. And at first, it's a little bit confusing of the direction that they're going in. Maybe there, there's an issue of sound on stage or something like that. But they let it breathe. They let it kind of speak for itself. They let it sit there and... They kind of let it develop, and then when it hits the mic solo, it feels like it's something big. It feels like it's mm-hmm. on another level. It, it's in both of these songs in Evolution and Alive. It seemed like there was a little bit of a guitar, not mistake, but like weirdness going on. It felt yeah. maybe Stone was doing something different, experimenting, trying something, but it felt like it. It wasn't off, but it was kind of like made you kind of tilt your head a little bit, like oh. Okay, that's interesting. Well, did you notice like the 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 little pause at the end of Alive? Yeah, like just something very experimental. Like they they pause and then they let the last big chord ring out. Something you just don't. It was it was odd. It, it was it, mm-hmm. it was interesting, but it was just different, completely different. And we got to talk about the the structure of this set. Look at the ten songs first release, right in the middle, even flow end of the first set alive like book ending top middle end that's and then gotta be on purpose only middle, three, 10 songs in this main set middle first yeah, encore end of the mm-hmm. set and that's end it of the set. absolutely they were not huge on 10 at the time they yeah. were trying to get off of it they were trying to play more new stuff but the, the outside of it it's very balanced i think it has pretty much a, a pretty good array of of all the songs from all different albums mm-hmm uh, one of the things Five Horizons does say in one of the reviews, it says that uh, Ed goes 
around looking for something to jump off of and finds a speaker near Jack to, to climb on and jumps off a very high uh, amplifier. So shenanigans shenanigans indeed nothing nothing that i think really uh you know has gone down as as uh, a legendary kind of antic but it it, it did happen so it is is mentorable yep. all right we're at the first encore here so let's get to talking a little bit about patreon and what we're doing over there if you want to subscribe and help out the show head on over to patreon.com slash live on four legs and uh there's three different tiers john i'm gonna let you talk about the tiers and what you will get if you sign up to any three of these tiers. Yeah. So, you know, you guys hear us talk about the kind of the bonus content that we do. We've mentioned the evolution episodes. We talk about the bridge school episodes. We do these kind of fun little Devo episodes from time to time. If you would like to hear those, like get access to all that stuff, all you have to do is donate $1 a month to our Patreon. You become a bonus leg. All that content is there for you. We've been, we've been doing these for over a year now. There's a lot of stuff to go back and listen to. If you if you feel like you're you're caught up, you you want to get in on this stuff that we talk about these setless drafts, things like that. That tier is there for you. One dollar a month, you get access to all the the bonus content that we do. Uh, if you'd like to be like a bigger part of the show, maybe you have a show that you went to or a, a bootleg that you really love that we haven't talked about. We have the $5 tier, the Gigaleg tier, where you will get the chance to request a show, uh, maybe come on the show and talk about it with us. Uh, so that's there for you. And then we have our $10 a month tier, the Horizon Leg, for the people who are interested in helping out with our website project, the Concertpedia, where we're going to be going back and continuing the legacy of what Five Horizons did, what Two Feet Thick did. We're going to be continuing that on. And we've, we've had a great response to it. We have a lot of Horizon Leg members. Uh, you also get a chance to do a profile episode, which I think we're going to have one coming out this week. We are from Deborah. Yeah. And those, those have been a lot of fun. You know, we, we, we did one with Chris Everett. We did one with Curtis Hames. Those are both must listens. Like it's, it's so great getting a chance to get these different perspectives from our patrons and hear, you know, the, the things that were important to them and the little, the touchstones in their fandom. It's, it's just been great. And so those are there. Uh, we appreciate, you know, all of our patrons, no matter what tier you're on. We we appreciate all the support that people give to the show, and it just means so much. Absolutely. And I'm going to throw in, listen to Kirk Walton's too, because they're oh, yeah. fantastic. Absolutely. All, all three yep. of them are great. And, and I'm sure we haven't recorded Deborah's yet, but Deborah's an amazing storyteller. You're going to want to listen to that because she's going to. She's going to talk about her stats. She's going to talk about her moment. Oh, man. I, I, I would just, I would make that your must-hear listening for the week, for sure. Uh, but, yeah, um, let's mention we do have a new patron this week. So, big shout-out to Michael Nettleton, who has joined the Gigaleg tier. Michael, in the future, you're going to get to pick an episode that we're going to cover on the show. So, get your mind rolling a little bit and get to thinking what you want us to talk about because – that show is going to be all about you, buddy. So thank you so much for joining in. I think Michael joined our Discord too. Michael, we should mention the Discord. Yeah, Michael did join it. A lot Discord. of fun over so, there. Yeah, um, th it's so hard to put the Discord link out there because it does expire, and I don't know if there's a way on Discord to search for Live on Four Legs and find us. But we'll continuously, if you're on Patreon, if you're on the Pearl Jam Podcast Community Facebook group, we do post it. You know, every now and again, trying to trying to promote it. So if you want to get in on 
you know, the discussion and trying to build for things for the show, that's the best way to do it. And you don't have to be a patron in order to be a part of. Uh, yeah, we're over there all the time talking about stuff with Absolutely. our uh, our people over there. Absolutely. And uh, uh, let's there are a couple other things I want to mention before getting back into the set. One is that we're starting to do uh, things over on Clubhouse. If you're not familiar with Clubhouse, it's another social media. And I, I know there's a thousand different social media apps that are out there now but it's more social media content and this is all about live audio and it's basically you know an app where you get to listen to stuff in real time and we're gonna try not just with us but we want to implement all the other podcasts from brandon with better band podcast and uh jason and paul with state of love and trust and anthony with touring fan who i'm going to be doing a show with this friday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So if that's something you're interested in, you can follow us uh, at Live on Four Legs on Clubhouse. And Clubhouse is something, it's it's a little bit exclusive, and you do need an invite in order to join. If that's something that you're interested in, get in touch with us. We can try our best to try and get you an invitation. They're a little bit tough to get, but we, we've we gotten a couple people through before. But it, it's going to be something that we're going to try out. It's an untapped market. There's not a lot of people talking about Seattle music and 90s music and grunge. And uh, we're just going to we're going to try to do some like really light topics. I think this week we're just going to talk about how how we got into the band. And it's a way where even if you guys want to get in on it, it it's kind of like talk radio. It's kind of like, uh, you know, somebody calling in the sports station being like, oh, I got to question about i got a question about the mets it's the same thing as that so we can kind of get you in and we can talk about the mets so uh that's fun it's for just a different thing we'll see how it goes if you guys are into it let us know hit us up and we'll uh we'll get you a part of it absolutely anthony anthony and i anthony from touring fan will be doing it on friday 10 p.m eastern time and uh we'll we'll send out links we'll send out the room and all that stuff so you'll have that information if you follow us on the socials uh and also if you're following us on the socials we've been doing the album a day challenge and we've kind of gotten all of our people together and had everybody pick an album that they really like or the one that they think is really underrated that nobody pays attention to enough and uh we're gonna we've been you know for all 31 of these days we're gonna listen to them all and we're gonna it's something different we're still in quarantine we're still like we still need to keep busy and uh, i've been wanting to listen to a lot of these albums for a long time so i'm very excited this is right before we're about to start the big event so uh you know by this time we'll have a couple albums under our belt but there are a lot in here very excited to listen to so if you want to get in on that again pearl jam podcast community page over on facebook go and search that and uh and request to be a part of it all right so big pearl jam chants in the break here before they head back on with some aussie 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 oi oi oi's and ed says we've fucking been in melbourne for five days we still can't leave yet who wants to don't go on me Jack's versions of Go are spectacular. (laughs) This is another one that just knocks you on your ass. Yeah, it's like... Oh, my God. And he builds for that moment, too, because those hi-hat hits, it's not not a race to get there. Like, he's he's pacing himself out, those hi-hats. When, when Ed's in the middle of that verse, you hear that. That's like sort of almost the background vocals to what he's doing. That's how good it sounds. It's fantastic. And I gotta, you gotta mention, you can't, you can't talk about Go without mentioning Mike. Yeah, he of course. comes in and 
Oh, he's just on fire. Just channeling, channeling something otherworldly. Yeah, this is a screeching, scorching solo, and he has a couple of these in this little uh, encore yeah. section yeah. here. And and this is this is a this is an interesting character for Mike because he will bring this out sometimes, and, and it feels like this is the '98 version of Mike that he's bringing out. Yeah. Yeah, really this good. is more of the era. Like he'll he'll go off and he'll maybe do some like Van Halen-y stuff, or he'll do some Hendrix. Yeah, this this stuff is not Stevie Ray Vaughan Mike. No, this is not Hendrix Mike. This is something else. This is Mike Mike. I this think is this Dem- is Demon Mike. Yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, again, the subtle j- touches from Jack with with the hi hats, I catch your ear, and then, then Mike. Great version to go. Fantastic. Black. Ed comes in a tad too early on it to start. That's interesting. It does. And then changes some inflections on uh, on on this performance, which is also interesting. But it stays pretty even keel the whole entire time, and it doesn't really start to get crazy until mm. Mike does at the end. So it's again we go we talk about the evolution and the developing of songs. There are things that you're waiting for in a version like this, and you, you kind of you know you're you're waiting for the the crowd to sing along and to sing the do 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 do's and and. It felt shortened up. It felt tightened up. It didn't have all that kind of pomp and circumstance that's usually surrounding right. Black. Yeah, Black is interesting. And you mentioned it earlier. It's an interesting talking point where they were kind of falling out of love with the 10 songs on this mm-hmm. 98 tour. And they, they didn't, Jack didn't really fit in with what they were doing. He sounds great on them. But like you mentioned, they, they weren't doing Why Go. They weren't doing Garden. They weren't really doing Deep. And they weren't doing Deep at all. Yeah, not at all. And they, they wouldn't really fall back in love with them until 2003 mm-hmm. when a lot of those came back and they started reappearing in the set list. But this one, it's it's not a classic black. It's just not not there. It's not, it's not quite there. Uh, it's, it felt like Ed wanted to do an improv, but the song just ended. It, it, they weren't really in in tune or in like it was, weren't really connecting with each other on it. It felt like right, yeah. There was definitely something something was amiss that that separates this from classic versions of the song that like mm-hmm. get everybody invested that get everybody involved everybody singing along and ed kind of digging into something deeper it didn't it didn't have that mood it didn't have that vibe at all which you know how many times have we come on this show and said black is the highlight of, of the show without thousands yeah and uh this is just one of the very few where it was just it was it was slightly off and slightly not where yeah. we expect it to be so uh, but it's funny because if you do read reviews from this time, people that are down in Australia hearing this song for the first time live, they are saying that this is kind of an out-of-body experience, even with without yeah. what we're saying. So, oh, it, it's still a classic song. It's still one of their best. Exactly. Even 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 when it's not transcendent, it can still be very very good. Exactly. And hopefully, those people have gone to to see them in Argentina and have that experience because that that's the black experience argentina brazil berlin Berlin, yeah right some great european moments amsterdam chicago like Mm -hmm. absolutely for sure uh rearview mirror another song that we usually say is is almost untouchable that you can't have a bad version of rearview mirror and guess what you don't this is fantastic. Uh, you thought I would, what, you think I was going in a different direction with that? No, that was a good tease, though. Okay, good. Uh, you know, the plucky slow burn kind of takes a second or two before it blossoms mm-hmm. into the verse. And then we talked before about the, the changing of lyrics sometimes where 
you kind of nowadays you expect them to say things and the first thing and i remember we talked about this in, in the roof and your evolution episode we talked about the uh where he says swallow that fucker down and i thought that this was going to be one of the verses where he starts saying i'm not i'm not about to give thanks fuckers or apologize so when i'm listening to it i'm listening for that i'm like wait was this not the version they did it and then we get that we get the other thing to swallow the fucker down and that's another moment where of course swallow the fucking thing down you're always gonna sing that with the live version that's just what comes with listening to this band and seeing them multiple times live you, you sort to get those uh, interactions and, and get the, the those trends how many like how many times they go on tour 20 times uh, uh, a leg they're playing rearview mirror at least 16 of those times so it's repetition for sure it goes back we talked about all this on the evolution episode it goes back to Saturday Night Live everyone heard that version mm-hmm. and that's that's the one that people want to hear and that's the one that they do absolutely and, and yeah. the bridge very spacey it doesn't really ramp up into a big build you just kind of quietly hear Jeff's bass creep in and then Jack Boom! You want gathering speed? There's your gathering speed. Ed with the big roar, chanting some things that are very tough to tell, and then you just get a maniacal jack to finish this off. And uh, in just like go, you have that screech to Mike's guitar to finish it off, and it's just warp speed. It's a phenomenal way to end this. Can you say 536 version fantastic Mirror. versions of Rearview Mirror? Yeah. It's a, it's a live on four legs cliche, but you know what? Yep. Sometimes you don't get that version and you have Everybody to Everybody drink it like if you're play. playing the drinking game. That's right. But you know what? This, this, is, this is up there. This is actually, this is like upper echelon version of Rearview Mirror. I would yep. have to say. So fantastic. Awesome. And then you get something that, that you almost never get. You get immortality to close a set and it's a very very quick transition barely even enough time to to really breathe in in between the two songs and if you remember correctly uh one of the southeast asia shows i think it was singapore not quite certain which one we did the the three in one episode but that was the only time they have ever closed a show with immortality here you're Mm -hmm. closing out a set which is is just as uncommon as that and and Look, there's a reason why they're closing the set with it. Listen to it. This, how do you follow up on that? <laughs> Again, Mr. Jack Irons, to take a bow. That's right. Immortality, my God. Yeah, but, you know, Mike's on another level. Ed's doing some very cool, like, it's almost like muttering. You can't really tell what he's doing, but, oh, the, the ending. We, we talked about 
that, that's that's one of Jack's strengths that we never really talk about is on Corduroy, on Hill Hill. He takes those jams that they do and turns them into something really, really cool and really, really special. Immortality, oh, Immortality with Jack is unbelievably great. And if you read the reviews on this, though the one review that I took all the stuff from, the entire band went to the kit and rallied around him. Yeah. Like that's the that's the thing that and we've talked about that I think you know the Berlin show comes to mind in that Red Mosquito yep. version where they're all just they have to take a second because they're ramping up in the beginning they're just feeling some insane sort of energy I never I don't think I've ever seen them do that with Dave and very rarely have you seen them do that with Matt for all the times that Matt has been a machine they seem to rally around Jack the most. way of playing that accented everyone complimented everyone like him and Jeff so great together him and and we we talked about it when we do these jack shows how often do you talk about the connection between the drummer and the lead guitarist but they absolutely have one and Stone and him together on that Stone's part of the rhythm section playing that rhythm guitar and then yeah the connection that Ed and Jack have has been well documented so he was just he was just kind of the the octopus guiding the whole thing and he let everyone do what they do best. I mean I, it's it's these shows are so great to listen to. I I could listen to Jack shows for the rest of my life and I probably will. Just put it out there that that Jack needs to be more appreciative than, you know, that maybe people give him the credit for. So, and if this yeah. if this show is not proven that, then maybe you don't listen to our show anymore. Maybe that's it. <laughs> uh, Encore 2, and they come back out. Ed takes Jeff's stool here, lies on it like Superman, and has the Australian flag draped around him like a cape. Not much more to say about that. It's the it last gets a night. big cheer. I think that's the moment that you hear the crowd. That's exactly. Kind that's of why react. I brought it up. Yeah. That's yeah. why I brought it up. Uh, not much more to say since it's the last night in Melbourne. I'll say thanks uh, for the last few days, having only been here once and not knowing anything about it here. It's good to see things and learn things. This is great, and it's probably going to get better. This is this is I love hearing positive Ed sometimes. You know, neg- we got a really <laughs> negative Ed a couple weeks ago, we and that just it brought the show down. But I think we're in such a, especially like 
things that are going on with our lives personally right now. We're like, we shouldn't be this happy and positive, but this show has brought this out of us. So, uh, so I might listen to this again tomorrow. It's, I, I, I can't listen. wait to make the edit of this because I yeah. like this, that's, that's another excuse to listen to the bootleg. For it's going to sure. be a four hour show because we're going to play the whole bootleg after we talk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you get back into the set, they get into indifference and, um, you know, this is this is a fun little moment in here where Ed kind of missteps the uh, I'll swallow poison until I grow immune line. And the crowd just has its back on him. And it's, you know, they're there for the ride the whole entire time. And sometimes where, where you when you feel a really good crowd, they're they're the sixth member. They're the, they're the sixth man. And they come through on this. And you, you can, if you're up on stage, you can kind of say, all right, that's a crowd to remember. That's a moment to remember. Thank you for this, and thank you for being a part of this. Like that's, you know, not just that, but like a very desolate version of the song too. And Ed is asking for for lights on the crowd. He asked for Keith, not Keely, as as mm-hmm. we know Keely. But this was Keith at the time. He asked for the lights, and it just fill, fills the mood with this version for sure. You don't get a lot of crowd moments in this because it's a it's a soundboard recording, a radio recording, so it's not an audience like a lot of the '90s are. And just one of the one of the few moments you get to hear the crowd. Very cool. That's right. Yeah. And um, how about ending on porch? <laughs> Showstopper. This. A yeah. Throwback to '94. So, all right. So it's not just it's '94. It's like this is the precursor to the porch that we know now. Mm-hmm. Porch blues in every sense of the imagination. <laughs> show version from 1996 and of course bridge school is going to be bridge school that's going to be completely different but the crowd is very confused by it before it goes gets in the lyrics and then when once of course what the fuck is this world like okay now we know what you're getting into but the way this is only this is only 15 shows since that bridge school 96 that was the end of 96 right they only did that little run in 97 with the rolling stones and then this is just you know, very early in 98, so not that far removed. No, not that far removed at all. But also, unlike the Porch Blues that you hear now, where it's just the beginning and then ramp up into the fast version right away into, into the first uh, chorus, so to speak, this is like overall slow Porch. This is, is. everything, even it in takes the bridge. Long, it takes a long time to get to the fast part. It's not even until you finish up on the final course that they ramp it up. This song, it's like, it takes an abrupt shift. Jack kind of transforms it in, in something completely different. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did know. Yeah, there was something, I don't know. There was some kind of 
There was some kind of change to it. It was it was really hard for me to put my finger on what was going on with it because it felt like yeah. it was I was so kind of enamored with the pacing and enamored with, okay, they don't usually do ports like this. I should have given this like three or four more listens. I don't know how I couldn't have. But I couldn't put my finger exactly on what was developing because I was trying to figure out how it was developing. Yeah, it's a thinker. <laughs> this is a strange, strange version of Porch. It's it doesn't it's, it doesn't it's not an immediate gratification. Yeah, this is this is like as close to no Jeremy of no Porch that you would get. Hmm. Okay. And a little shout out to Keith too, who Ed says I think what I wanted the house lights, not the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the porch blues right here. This is the the version that defines what they were trying to do with this song. We've talked before about the my generation blues, where yeah. it was a little bit different. It was slower and kind of built to it. That was sort of the idea of you know how this this porch would, would evolve as well. And, and yeah. at the time, again, talking about ten songs and how just yep. ten was a back burner. Their relationship with them with these songs was weird at this time. They were let's they were around. really weren't sure what to do with them. Yeah, let's just fuck around and let's just yeah. see what works. And to, to end a set that way, man, that that is and to be on the radio too, that is balls. All right, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this. <laughs> just say like the top three moments are the show. Yeah, I mean, you, you, could, you could pick seventeen. We, I think we talked about 17 of them. We went through almost every single song. We didn't really do that anymore, but this, this yeah. show deserves it. You have to. Uh, my top three, Spin the Black Circle. Loved it. Uh, In My Tree, How Can It Not Be? And that that Crazy Mary moment where you go back to this as kind of the genesis of bringing the song back and what it is now all goes back to this little 30-second snippet like we talked about. So those those are my three. And nothing against anything else we talked about, but those, I think, stand out a little more to me. Yeah, you stole two of my three, so I'll take another direction. Uh, I'll play Homer to Brain of J because you just don't get to hear versions of Brain Brain of J too often like this, where you get to hear that growl and you get to hear that intensity. Really love those versions of Brain of J, obviously, being like, you know, the seminal song of my Pearl Jam fandom. I'm, I'm going to always speak highly of it. Um, I will give a nod to Given a Fly here as well because just original versions of it, it's, uh, yeah, that's where the song really stands out the most in, in my eyes. And then, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give the nod to Immortality here. You know, th- this is the yeah, band all gathering around Jack. Yeah, like that's that's a moment right there. Rear Mirror, those are moments. I'll even package the two together if I could, but... Uh, yeah, you can, you can close your eyes and, and point to anything on the set. And, uh, I don't think I'll argue with you at all. Like that's, that's how good a show this is. Yep. And, uh, y- yeah, this, you know, going into this, I think, I think I had as much fun talking about this show as I did listening to it. And I don't think I realized that I had as much fun listening to it because, when you're listening, I, I had two different listens. I, I listened to it without notes, and then I listened to it while taking notes. And even while taking notes, there was so much that I had to to mention, so much that I had to talk about that I had to go back and rewind. I had to go back and rewind a little bit. It took me out of different parts of the show while I was listening to this, unfortunately. And um, I, I, 
I think that this conversation made me feel comfortable enough to say how great a show this was and how much I really did love it from my initial listen where I was able to listen to it in the background. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and I didn't think I was going to give this a 10, but I think I am. I I think I have to. Yeah. Agree. 10 out of 10. It's, it's one of those things where the, the stars collide and it's, it's the night three, it's the radio broadcast. It's, it's Jack. It's, the the yield the right time in the yield tour where the songs are starting to coalesce and starting to come together, all those things meeting together make a special special show. Ed's in great great form, the band is on a high. Like yeah, ten out of ten. Uh, I'll listen to this for fun any day. Yeah, yeah. I put this into the schedule because I knew that this was something that we had to cover at some point and. I, I like putting shows in around when their anniversary is because people are usually thinking about the shows around then. Yeah. And, and this comes out on the third, obviously the show being the fifth, like people are going to be thinking about this and they're going to want to, and the goal is to always have people go back and listen to the bootleg after they listen to the, this episode. And I, I hope that's something that we came oh, close to please achieving do. on this. So. And we, we'll have to cover hard. night one and night two at some point. Those are great shows as well. Hey, we got like a, a thousand thirty-eight shows that we got to cover. Right. So you know, we might as well do everything. <laughs> Anything yep. that has a bootleg, we'll we'll get our hands on. But uh, what are we up to next week? Do you know? I almost forgot. So because I was so focused and invested on this show that I almost forgot what we were doing next yeah. week. We are staying in the nineties, I believe. Right? We're, we 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 well, we kind of cheated ourselves. We didn't start the month with Seattle series, so I think we right. need to get back on that. Right? Yes, that's where we are. Yeah, uh, I, I wanted to put Melbourne as close to the date of the anniversary as possible, it being the third to the fifth. So next week we are going back to Seattle, back to the Seattle series, and we're doing. Uh, night one of the 1993 shows from the Mercer Theater. Speaking so, of a three-night run. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, another very important one. And, of course, everybody, uh, we covered when, when The Vault came out, we covered the night two show that uh, that would come out on The Vault. But I, I, I thought it would be a really good idea to cover the night one show because this actually has a full video on YouTube of and to you know there are full videos on YouTube of a lot of 93 shows but I, I, I whenever you do get something like that I don't think you can that that's that's an opportunity that you have to take you, you can't mm-hmm. miss that opportunity so yeah yeah that's where we are it's uh the December 7th show from from 93 can't wait yeah and uh 93 is not a year that we touch up on too often so we're, uh, we're going to dig into that and uh, dig into more. If, if you want more of us, Facebook group, the Pearl Jam podcast community, that's where you can find us. The Discord, that's where you can find us. This Friday on Clubhouse, you can talk to us. Actually talk to the podcast. Talk to, to me, at least. Uh, John, I don't know if you're going to be there, but I'll, I'll be there. I've got a lot there. of stuff going on. I, yeah. We'll have to see how it goes. Maybe, but, uh, maybe I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. seeing how it goes. You know, I'll definitely jump on there if the opportunity arises. Just just another thing that we can be able to connect with you guys on. You know, there's there's lots of different ways that we, we've been able to connect, and, and we want to be able to be as uh, personable as possible. So hopefully this works. It's going to be uh, on the Clubhouse app on Friday the 5th at 10 p.m. And that's 10 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be Anthony 
from Touring Fan and I. We're just going to be talking about our Pearl Jam fandom and how it all came to be. And we're going to be fielding uh, calls and fielding questions from people. So it'll be a good time. Uh, there's that. And also, definitely, if you get a chance to, definitely donate to the fundraiser. Uh, I'm going to give the information again. Send a PayPal, $10 per pool entry to Menke, M-E-N-K-E, mania at me, M-E dot com. And that will get you, you know, if you if you spend $10, that'll get you one entry. If you spend $100, that'll get you 10 entries. And every it has everything here from posters to vinyl, gift cards to merch all throughout, you know, the, the years. And uh, it's going to a great cause, helping out Art Weinbrenner, who has uh, stage four esophageal cancer. And uh, it's just us helping one another and, and helping out people in the community that need it. So definitely help them out. I think the deadline for that is Friday. And on Saturday, on their group, Footsteps in the Sand, they will announce the winner. So definitely keep an eye on that. And maybe we'll uh, do a, a dual announcement of the winners uh, on uh on saturday on our podcast group as well so all right uh that's it for this one this was incredibly fun to do i love the 98 shows and there this is going to be the year where we get to a lot of them i think we've we've held back and uh i don't know why but i we have and i don't think it's fit into our agenda but this year this is our agenda. Our agenda is to do more 98 yeah. shows. So well, yeah, the, and the set lists don't stand out. You know, you think there's not a lot of lost dogs around. You right. Know, there's, there's not a lot of diversity, but the performances are great. The band's in great form and the, there's something to talk about at every show. Yep, absolutely. And we're going to definitely hit more up as the year goes by. So uh, keep on listening, keep on hanging with us. And uh, like I said, it could be a lot of 90 shows this month. So if you are crazy for 90s Pearl Jam, then you're going to want to stay tuned in for the entire month of March as we go forward. Next week, Seattle 93 and, uh, hell, Melbourne 98. Go out and listen to this boot again because this is just a classic. I'm going to listen to it again. I love it. John loves it. This is what Pearl Jam's all about. So we'll, uh, we'll part ways here. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. And hey, guess what? If you haven't subscribed to us on the main platforms on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, any big podcast platform, please subscribe to us so you guys get the updates on episodes. That's the biggest thing. Then tell a friend. If a friend, if you and a friend went to a show together that we've covered, Tell that friend, and that friend can listen too, and then he can tell his friends, she can tell her friends. They can all get together, and this is what the community is about. It is about spreading the good word and getting things out by word of mouth, and then if you do like the show, give us a five-star rating on Apple and help us out over there. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This was Melbourne 98. We'll be back next week, back to the Seattle Hometown Series. Anya.
Thanks a lot, everyone. Good night. We'll see you next time.